0: Everyone and welcome to Okay Now What? It's just uh Jason and I, Greg, this week. Um, sorry I sound like Lindsay Lohan because I lost my voice. Um, so yeah. All right. So let's get on with um this week's news, starting with um a speech that Biden made to a joint session in Congress this week. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and show you um, basically a snippet of the
1: speech, and we'll go ahead and give her thoughts. Now, after just 100 days, I can report to the nation, America is on the move again. There's still more work to do to beat this virus. We can't let our guard down. But tonight, I can say, t- because of you, The American people. Our progress these past hundred days against one of the worst pandemics in history has been one of the greatest logistical achievements — logistical achievements this country's ever seen. The American Jobs Plan will help millions of people get back to their jobs and back to their careers. Twelve years is no longer enough today to compete with the rest of the world in the 21st century. That's why my American Families Plan guarantees four additional years of public education for every person in America, starting as early as we can. The American Families Plan will finally provide up to 12 weeks of paid leave and medical leave, family medical leave. No one should have to choose between a job and a paycheck or taking care of themselves and their loved ones or parent or spouse or child. How do we pay for my Jobs and Family Plan? I made it clear we can do it without increasing the deficits. Let's start with what I will not do. I will not impose any tax increase on people making less than $400,000. But it's time for corporate America. And the wealthiest 1% of Americans to just begun to pay their fair share. In addition to my family's plan, I'm going to work with Congress to address this year other critical priorities for American families. For all transgender Americans watching at home, especially young people, you're so brave. I want you to know your president has your back. We have to come together to rebuild trust between law enforcement and the people they serve, to root out systemic racism in our criminal justice system, and to enact police reform in George Floyd's name. The country supports this reform, and Congress should act, should act. We have a giant opportunity to bend the arc of the moral universe toward justice, real justice. And I'll do everything in my power to protect the American people from this epidemic of gun violence. But it's time for Congress to act as well. We need more Senate Republicans to join the overwhelming majority of Democratic colleagues and close the loopholes required in background check purchases of guns. The soul of America, we need to protect the sacred right to vote. Instead, it's being attacked. Congress should pass H.R. 1 and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act and send it to my desk right away. The country supports it, and Congress should act now.
0: Okay, so um, it wasn't necessarily a bad speech in my perspective, you know. I mean, when we hear Biden speak, it's sometimes a train wreck. So I guess I'll give him that. And I know this kind of goes into the lane of identity politics, but it was kind of nice seeing two ladies up there. You know, it was, I know I, I, I disagree with with them politically, but like it was nice, you know, it was, it It was good for women. I I really think it was because, yeah, like I said, I disagree with the politics. But the fact that we can have two women up there, I think that's pretty amazing. But now let's start with some criticism. Um, I'm going to give a a little bit of a take on it. It was very overplayed. He was overselling his progress, and I say that in air quotes, because we still have children in cages. um, We still have Yet to see any student loan forgiveness, we do not have a 15 minimum wage, we do not have at least a public option. Where's that public option, Joe? You know, you were so um psyched about it on your little campaign trail, you know, there's and people are like, okay, well, it's only been 100 days. Well, um, I'm pretty sure he also said these were day one things, but um, Jason, go ahead and give me your thoughts.
2: So I, I I feel like I'm uh, running parallel to you on this. Um, it was nice to hear not Donald Trump, you know, because every yeah. time I heard Donald Trump speak in this capacity, I felt like the country was shitting its pants, and I didn't <laughs> feel like that with Joe Biden, um, and and I thought. I was actually kind of surprised that he made it through the entire speech without some kind of major gaffe. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to give commendation for that. But you're right. He oversold it, uh, the, the progress of this administration. And I don't want to take away from, you know, good things that he said. Uh, calling out protections for transgender people, fantastic. Uh, yes. It's about it's about time that got put on the table at the federal level. Um, the John Wright John Lewis Voting Rights Act absolutely must pass. We have got to stop voter suppression. Um, but you know, when he comes at us, this is where the deception comes in, and this is where I get very I get very worried that the moderates, the libs, are looking at the Biden administration at this point, and feeling like it is going to be some kind of long-term savior, because it's not at all, okay? When he talks about, we want we want to make sure corporations pay their taxes. All right, so Trump took pre-Obama tax, corporate tax rate of 35%, knocked it down to 21%. Biden's bringing it back up to 28%. He's not putting it back at pre-Trump levels. How is that making corporations pay their fair share? Exactly. You want to talk about corporate taxes. Let's go back to Eisenhower when the marginal corporate tax rate was 91%. Okay, let's let's talk, start talking about some real taxation on that kind of massive wealth. Wealth that is often subsidized by our government and extracted always from the working class. How is it possible? When we talk about people paying their fair share, I am still just stunned at the wealth accumulated by Elon Musk, by Jeff Bezos, by Mark Zuckerberg, by Warren Buffett. You know, these people who have added to their personal wealth to the tune of, of hundreds of billions, right? While we still have people who are facing eviction, homelessness, can't get the healthcare they need. You called out the public option. Why are we not, you know, we don't have the the... The expansion of Medicare Act that uh, Bernie is proposing now uh, is still not enough, right? That's still not what we need. We need to have a full single payer system in this country. You know, we've got uh, 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 he, Biden proposed a war budget was that was thirteen billion dollars more than Trump's last war budget. How is that what we need as a country? So there are there are many things that I think are going to be uh very deceptive right like there's this deception of progress where the reality is nothing is fundamentally changed there's some good things i don't want to take away from the good things um but in terms of is it enough man this is where i really want the democrats to pay attention is it enough to in the november elections in 2022 is it enough have you done enough for the American people, for the working class, for the middle class? Have you done enough for them to put you back in office? Right? I don't think so. And I think the Democrats, if they really don't pull it out right now, I was listening to Bree Joy on a podcast two days ago. So I think she did, uh, yeah, it was Wednesday's podcast. We're Friday, it was Wednesday. And she said, you know, here's the frustration with progressives in Congress is they're not demanding. They're just not like screaming from the rooftops demanding these transformative changes and the democrats are going to get their asses handed we're to them in we're the not midterm elections crumbs
0: anymore exactly yeah we're not accepting crumbs anymore and you're right progressives do need to shout it off from the rooftops which that will lead on to another segment later um but yeah and you mentioned eisenhower i do believe he was a republican
2: he was a republican and yeah. he was a military guy too so, he was general
0: <laughs> that just, it baffles me, it baffles me, and it really does show the neoliberal turn, like it really it does show when you, when you look back into uh, American history, you know, it, it, it does, it clearly shows the neoliberal takeover, and um, that, that really frightens me because then like, where's where our next transition? Where is this progress going to lead
2: you have Democrats in office right now who are willing to hold up legislation to repeal the salt tax, right? So the salt tax actually benefits millionaires, like like removing, like banning, uh, um, repealing the salt taxes benefits millionaires, right? It doesn't benefit the working class, but the but the Democratic part, there are Democrats in there who are willing to say, well, we're not going to pass this, um, you know big relief plan unless you include that but where are they fighting for the 15 dollars you know so again you see these corporate democrats who are willing to stand up to the million for the millionaires and for their corporate donors they still won't stand up for the working class it's gonna i you know i am i am really worried about these midterm elections coming up i really am the
0: clock is ticking democrats if you don't yep. act and get your shit done we're going to see another Republican-controlled House and even a Senate. And, and then, then all right,
2: this good work that does get done now, it's all going to get undone.
0: You know, and I feel like, who knows, maybe the corporates want it. So then they can blame their their non-work on the Republicans, you know? I feel like that's the case because they don't want to work to actually pull, uh, put these in place. So they're just going to wait for the Republicans to win and then blame it on them. That's what I
2: feel like. It's uh, it 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 tends to be a pattern, you know. Uh, and I go back to the Georgia Senate elections. You know, I'm not sure that the Democratic Party as a whole actually wanted to win those elections, so that then they could, you know, uh uh, blame, just continue to blame everything on Mitch McConnell, you know. But now they now they can't blame everything on Mitch McConnell. Um, but what we, but but they they could they could overturn the filibuster, right? And that's and see that's another thing yeah. right here. It's like. And Anything passes through the House is not going to get through the Senate unless you get rid of the filibuster. And even then, you still got Cinema and Manchin and a few others uh, who are resisting.
0: They need to get rid of the parliamentarian.
2: Know? Well, they, they could just can ignore do. the parliamentarian, but, you know.
0: Well, that, that's the thing. They can do that.
2: If if we end up the, the thing is if we end up with a too little too late moment it's it's really going to it's really going to hurt the future of this country. I mean this is a go big or go home moment right now. Um and and I don't think that they're going big enough and they're going to end up going home.
0: I agree. It's it's now or never folks. It really is. Um, I want to go ahead and move on to another segment. So we were talking about overplaying, you know, the progress and whatnot and demanding that progressives do um, demand more and yell off the rooftops and say, we want this. But it's really hard when you have one of these progressives, AOC, saying that Biden has exce- exceeded expectations. I'm going to go ahead and show you a clip um, from um, uh, the secular talk by Kyle Kalinske. I love him. He's awesome. The
3: that I will say is that I do think that... Um, the Biden administration and President Biden has definitely exceeded expectations that progressives had. Uh, you know, I'll be frank, I think a lot of us expected a much more conservative administration. Um, and I think that his, not only what has ultimately come out but the active invitation and willingness and collaboration uh, with progressives in his first 100 days, um, for almost 100 days, uh, has been very impressive. And so while there are very, you know, there are areas where there are just plain areas of disagreement, um, I think that the, the actual conduct of the administration has absolutely been in good faith, but not just in good faith, but active incorporation of progressive, Legislation and also for those of us individually, you know, I can at least say that um, there has been a lot of openness and willingness and flexibility in incorporating uh, many of our goals, requests, demands, etc. Um, and I think that it has been to the benefit of the country.
0: Yeah, I don't think so, AOC. Um I mean, they've listened to our requests. Well, then, where are they? Um, he has exceeded our expectations. Well, he hasn't exceeded my expectations. You know, like I said, where's the 15? Where's the public option? Where's this? Where's that? I'm, I, I made a whole list earlier. Um, and this really hurts me again, because, um, you know, we already had her, um, you know, donating to corporate Democrats. We already had um, people disagree with her strategy on forcing the vote or not. And then she does this. I, I I just, I don't see, I don't see the bartender who beat Joe Crowley. I didn't, I don't see the activists in her anymore. I see a politician. And that really saddens me. Um, but Jason, go ahead and give me your thoughts on this.
2: Um. So I, I'm going to, I, I don't, this is a tough one. This is a tough one because, you know, when you say we didn't get the 15 bucks, uh, I'll be honest, I don't know that I expected it. So when we when we say what were the realistic expectations of this administration, um, I, I expected almost nothing. I have to tell you, I, my, I went into this administration literally, I mean, the Democratic Party ran a we're not Trump campaign all across the country. I mean, that's really what Joe Biden's election was about. It was about not being Trump. And so that was my expectation. My expectation was you're not Trump. Um, And so we got not Trump. And that there are some things that have been done um, that are progressive, I think, is where her statements are coming from because what she is really saying is we had no expectations at all. The bar was so low um, that getting anything at all feels like a win. And so I want to take her words in that context. And I also want to say where you say, you know, she's being a politician. Well, you know, the reality is that she is a politician and she still has to work with people. And I think when you have an idea that, you know, you might be able to work with with some people who don't align with your policy positions or your values, that you might be able to align with them uh, or or you might be able to extract something from them, you don't kick them in the teeth over it. Uh, and I think that's also where she's coming from uh, uh, as well. Uh, I had said some, crit- I, I had said to my own campaign team some criticism of Pramila Jayapal because she had said something. Oh, I wish I remember what it was, but it was it was sort of thankful or congratulatory. About something that had gone on from the establishment, and I was like, "Oh, I wish she wouldn't." And you know, I had my campaign team tell me, you know, if you want to, if she wants to get something out of these people, it's not to her benefit or to our benefit for her to, you know, punch them in the throat. So I want to look at the politics aspect of it from that, because uh, we can still say, Biden administration has not done nearly enough and we have to do substantially more and still be like, well, they did more than we expected them to. I, I well, think that's I, where this is coming from.
0: I, 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 have to, I have to disagree with it just a little bit because you can still actively call out your colleagues on stuff that they're not uh, doing and still work with them on the things you can get done. Like, like for, uh, for example, okay, and I say this as a future candidate, Um, If I'm in office, yeah, of course I'm going to work with Nancy Pelosi on LGBTQ, uh, anti-LGBTQ discrimination or on that. But damn well, I'm also going to be criticizing her on this, this, and this actively. You can do both. You can chew gum and walk at the same time. Um, Now, when I say, where's the activist and the politician? Well, I do recall a time where AOC uh, joined a, a group of uh, Sunrise protesters in Nancy Pelosi's office. Would
2: we definitely she need ever more of that. Do that.
0: Right now, would she ever do that? Right now, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, you might be right. You, you honestly, you might be right. Um, you know, I, I'm still, I'm still very critical of the Mama Bear comments. Um, no, you know, I, I, I it, it's, it's. Uh I, I, I thought it was a it was a it was a really bad look. Um but I do I do I do wanna say I understand where she's coming from and I also understand the 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 criticism of you know you're not going hard enough at these people anymore. I see that, you know. So um I I wanna ask, let me let me let me just kind of interject here, what did you think of Jamal Bowman's uh post um, uh, speech speech. Did you listen to that?
0: I actually didn't.
2: Um, okay. Could
0: you give the audience some insight on that?
2: Well, I mean, he, he, I didn't listen to the whole thing because I was, uh, I was on the road at the time and my internet was not good. So I got snippets of it, but you know, the I, I really think that um, he was not critical of the Biden administration. And I think that's kind of you know, it, it wasn't a bad thing because he basically said, you know, I'm not going to knock the things that Biden has done at this point, but I'm also going to say it's not nearly enough. We've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep fighting. And I think that's kind of the, you know, that is the 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 narrow line you have to walk where you're not punching the people that you need on your side in the teeth, but you're also not saying, uh you're not you're you're also not going like oh isn't this wonderful you know uh and and it's a fine line you know and honestly that's the art of politics right there it is a fine line between you know taking your political adversaries and 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 knocking them around and then saying okay well i kind of need these people if i want to get the stuff that that i'm going to get done so um I'm going to test, you know, when I'm elected in uh, for Washington 2nd I'm going to test that theory because I am, you know, I, I am not a very conciliatory person, you know, uh, and, and I have a reputation for, you know, going after things really hard. So we'll see what happens. You know, it just could be a bad political strategy just to, to go into it and say, Nancy Pelosi sucks ass, you know, and, and she... <laughs> and she's a terrible leader and then having to rely on nancy pelosi to bring my bills to the floor because she very well could say hey fuck you call you know yeah. you you uh, you, you, know you have oh, you I'm see sorry. how that goes you see yeah. how that goes though
0: but i like how you're being clear about it and what aoc is doing is not so clear you know just saying oh yeah expectations that doesn't necessarily mean where your expectations were um, when, when you say we had a very, very, very low bar, whoever is her publicist or or, or is, is is helping her prepare for these things, they need to be fired. I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't like this. She's not, I, I'm pretty, deep down, I don't think she means this. I really don't. Like, because I, like, again, I really hope she is the person she really is still. But I love Whoever's go ahead, in charge go ahead. of her,
2: whoever's in charge of her, you got to go. Yeah. So we're talking, we're talking about a public face of things. Um, and, and so we still don't know what's actually going on behind the scenes. I mean, we, all we know is the public face. And I think that's where we as activists get very frustrated because we want to have the information. What com- What conversations are taking place that we don't know about? Um you know, what, what plans are, you know, this is one of the things about the, the force the vote issue. If we can just dial it back there a little bit, you know, okay. So you, so you block Nancy Pelosi, but are you running anybody else, you know, or is this just like, let's, let's gum up the works. So, you know, if if I want to, I want to know, I mean, this is where I feel like I'm, I'm sorry.
0: I'm sorry. They did have two years to put someone up there. So sure.
2: Sure. But they're all brand new. That's the thing. I mean, I, I think I think getting into politics, it takes some time to get your feet wet before you feel like you know what's going on. So had they all come together and right, right at the start said, okay, we're going to run somebody against Pelosi in, in two years, right? I don't think that they had those conversations. I don't think that that was on the table. You know, when I get there, I want to start having those conversations. How are progressives going to take power and keep power in this Congress, right? That's there those are the conversations we
0: caucus as well.
2: Yeah, well, a ton of people in the progressive caucus are simply not progressive. You well, know, yeah, so I hope,
0: why.
2: I hope, I hope Pramila's leadership with uh, uh, really is she she has made some changes to the progressive caucus and what it takes to have membership in it. You know, so even if the progressive caucus shrinks, but it is a an actually progressive caucus, mm-hmm. I think that that's progress. You know, and and again, I I go back to you know. As critical as you may want to be of AOC, she is still one of the 10 top legislators in Congress who are, who is, who are on our, uh, you know, is ostensibly on our side. So I, it's a tough, it's, I think it's, I think uh, it's a tough position for us to be in to witness this. And I also think it's a tough position for her to be in to, you know, um, try like I said try to find that line where you are pushing the progressive agenda but you're not you know sticking your thumb in the eye of the people you actually need to help and yeah. I think that she's I think she's really trying to draw she's trying to find that path right and I'm not saying you know I think it's Tell you, tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I think a diversity of opinion on AOC is a good thing. So if people are out there going, you know, she's terrible. She's a traitor to the progressive caucus uh, uh, or to, to progressive cause, I think that's fine. If that's your opinion of it, you know, go ahead and run somebody against her. You know, find. you. Know, do do what you have to do. You, we're, this is America. You can have your opinions. You can do your thing. And I think the diversity of having that spectrum of opinion and analysis on what AOC is about and what the progressives are about right now – I think that's fine. I think it's good to have that dialogue. I think where it goes off the rails is is when we start, you know, calling each other out like you're you're not you're not this or you're not that or you're a grifter, and you know how things go. Uh, the name you know.
0: calling isn't isn't productive. Being critical is one thing, name calling
2: yeah, is another I think,
0: and that's not productive.
2: I think we will find our way better if we are able to have this opening dialogue on what it means to be a progressive and what our expectations of our progressive legislators Mm -hmm. are. But I also think they need to be listening to that dialogue. Yeah. You know, they need to be hearing that.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, the next wave of progressives that do get elected, hopefully you're one of them, uh, you know, the next, I like to call it the next class of progressives, <laughs> um, yep. you know, like school, <laughs> but you know, I feel like the next group of progressives that do get elected hopefully, um, will, you know, be louder, you know, and maybe pressure her, be like, Hey, you're not just four people anymore. You know, you can, you can, you can make things difficult now. So, yeah. um, yeah. To end on that segment, I'm going to go ahead and move on to Bill Gates. Um, fun. So in a recent interview with Sky News, um, Bill Gates um, was criticized by social justice campaigners um, after arguing uh, that lifting patent protections on COVID vaccine technology and sharing um, formulas with the world to foster a massive ramp up in manufacturing um, and uh, distribute, sorry, distribution, despite a growing international call to do exactly that is a bad idea. Directly asked during that interview, he thought it would, um, sorry, when he was asked during the interview, um, he quickly answered no, Um, He went on saying, um, he he, he just went on just saying, well, there was so many vaccine factories in the world, and people are very serious about the safety of vaccines, and so moving to something that had never been done, um, moving a vaccine, say, from Johnson & Johnson to another factory um, would only cause distrust. Well. It's not really new because we've had these vaccines for months now, and they're showing great signs. I've had my, both my doses. Um, Jason, you've had at least one, correct? Um, so I, uh, yeah, so we have had at least one. So I just don't understand that. Also, we have India, which is one of the factories um, that are um, stationed. They are seriously in need of this vaccine. The people are dying on the streets, and you have this billionaire, richest person in the world, saying no. Uh, I think it's disgusting. I think it's gross, and incredibly selfish. I'm just so angry by this. But Jason, go ahead. Give me, give me a thought.
2: Um. I- well, my thought is that it's it's uh, it's racist and it's genocidal. I cannot fathom his angle on this. Um, when there, there is like you mentioned, India, when there the the um, you know people dying in in droves in in India right now, uh, and so the racist angle is not that you're preve- not just that you are preventing. Um, so many uh, 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 black and brown people around the world from having access to this vaccine you're also saying you don't think that these countries are smart enough you know that they don't have the technology that they don't have the scientists like is 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 the Western world just the the hub of all that is you know scientific here no of course these countries have have scientists and and, and mechanisms uh, to, to produce these vaccines they just need the formulas. So, is it about money? Is it just about money? I don't know. Why would it be Bingo. about money? We're getting, we're getting them, we're getting them for free. No, absolutely. We have to, we have to give other countries the technology, uh, the the vaccine formulas, whatever the technology is, so they can start producing these vaccines for their own people for free. Um, uh, I, I this, I have had issues. As an educator of almost twenty years, public high school math teacher, I have had many, many issues with Bill Gates inserting himself into the education system so that he can sell Microsoft products. Okay, uh, and, but I have, I have never been as disgusted with Bill Gates as I have in the last week following these statements.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really terrifying because one one man. One,
2: yeah. And why do we, why do we give billionaires this, this power? They're not, they're not legislators, you know, they're not elected anything. They're just rich fucks, you know? Yeah. So, so what, you know, and, and honestly, Bill Gates is a decently smart guy, but he had so many advantages, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, um, in building up his company, uh, to, to what it is right now. I mean, he got into it with advantages. His father was a, was a millionaire or a billionaire for God's sake. Um, so, so Bill Gates does not have a perspective on the working class. He does not have a perspective on, on the global poor or the global South. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, I don't know why anybody is listening to him as if he was an authority. This I mean,
0: might as well authority. listen to
2: Mark Zuckerberg, right?
0: Yeah, this man has never felt what the the global poor is going through right now. No, uh, be, you know, people could say, "Oh, he was self made. He, he he was in a garage." Yeah, he was in a garage. Do you think uh, people around the world have garages? You know, he he came from middle class. Come on.
2: No, no, he came. He was rich. His dad was rich. You oh, know, my, okay. he had he had access. So, Bill Gates' story, if you've read Malcolm Gladwell, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a chapter on Bill Gates. Bill Gates had access as a high school student to the University of Washington's mainframes back in the 70s. He spent hours and hours and hours with access that nobody else in the world had, you know? What? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. this.
0: This
2: oh, you know this. Oh, no, he had, he had so, he had so many advantages, you know, so this idea that Bill Gates is is some amazingly, you know, brilliant. You know, he was extremely lucky and extremely rich right from the start.
0: So you basically pl- proven my point. He has not ever suffered, and so the fact no. this oh, fucker no. has has the power to just simply say no to the global poor. Yep. Is yep. disgusting. Literally disgusting. Like like. I want to break this lamp that's in front of me, but I can't because I'm in an Airbnb. <laughs> um,
2: so I, oh my goodness. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. That being said, fuck the billionaires, eat the rich. Yeah. Um, there's
2: no such thing as a billionaire philanthropist. I say it all the time. Oh, I yeah. say, I write that so often that my phone knows that. When I say there's no, my phone will fill in the rest of it. That's such thing beautiful. as a billionaire philanthropist.
0: I love that. Um, so let's go to another, our last story. Um, it's also not so uplifting, so, um, bear with us, y'all. So, um, again, another person was, um, killed by a police. Uh, Mauro Gonzalez, a 26-year-old from, um, Oakland, California, um, stopped breathing after, uh, an encounter with, uh, police at a park in um uh, Alameda Al- 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 is it Alameda um, Alameda yeah. Alameda I live in California Alameda, even... yeah. oh god I should say I should know how to say that but anyway um basically there was video footage of him having some sort of episode you know we're not sure if he was like on drugs or anything but he was already in distress and officers basically, pulled a Derek Chauvin and did, um, he was on the ground and they did put his weight on his chest. He ended up not being able to breathe and he was later pronounced dead at a hospital. So, um, So when people say the trial gave us justice, it did not. It gave us accountability on one case, one case. And it's still happening. It happened with, was it Makia? Is that her name? From last week? Makia um, um, Bryant?
2: Makia, yeah. Micaiah Bryant. Bryant. You know, it happened Bryant, with yeah.
0: her, and it's happening again. And it, it just frustrates me. Like, we, we need to have um, it, well, one, I, I do agree when people say you can't reform this. You can't, um, you you have to abolish it and start anew, you know, you you got literally, you you, you have to abolish it. It, It's at this point, you can't. Uh, But Jason, go ahead and give me your thoughts on this.
2: So, I mean, the Mario Gonzalez, I watched the video. Um, He was not violent. I mean, he was confused. It seemed like he was confused. Um... The, you saw the cops do the whole don't resist and they were they were very mild-mannered when they were talking they didn't elevate they didn't raise their voice but they did the same thing stop resisting stop resisting and he, this guy didn't want to be cuffed you know um but they weren't they weren't uh you know they were they were telling you you know you got to produce ID um and you know, maybe he didn't have any ID on him, you know, but he wasn't, he didn't have any weapons. He wasn't a threat. You know, at the most, he was taking a nap in a park uh, and seemed, you know, maybe he might've been having a mental health crisis. He might've been, you know, maybe he was coming down on, off of some hallucinogenic drugs and just trying to get his bearings. Um, but, but it just, you know, it was just this other case of, They got physically violent with him, you know, regardless of the level of tone of their voice, they were physically violent with him. They did exactly to him what Derek Chauvin did to George Floyd, face down, hands cuffed behind his backs, and the full weight of this officer's body on his back, pressing his chest into the ground. And you heard him clearly trying to breathe, grunting in a way that it was clear he was was now in serious physical distress. And by the time they rolled him over, they realized, oh shit, we've killed this guy. And they started doing, why are we having officers respond to people in this way anyway? That is exactly why, instead of having these untrained crisis officers there, these un- untrained officers, that you need to call in a real have some have a counselor on site. You know, if, if this guy is
0: uh, go ahead because there's this um, because when uh, the initial police statement um, was that he had a medical emergency during the altercation. Okay, how about take him to a hospital? <laughs> Yeah, but go on. Um, Continue, but it it happens. Here's
2: the thing: is it happens. It happens so quickly, right? You're talking five minutes. You know that you're that that five minutes passes so quickly to kill somebody in this situation where he is not a threat to anybody. He's clearly. I mean, who cares if he wanders off? you know have somebody keep track of him until you can get somebody who is trained to deal with somebody who is having mental health crisis or somebody who's having you know drug problems you know you want to have somebody be able to dialogue with that person but their first response is let's get this guy on the ground let's cuff him and let's take him off to jail does any of that need to happen you know and again it results in the death of you know, in this case, uh, uh, a young Latino man. That's you know, like you said, yeah, this can't it this can't be last... reformed. Yeah, you, I agree. we 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 have to have we have to have different actual crisis interventions, or people are going to continue dying this way.
0: Yeah, and what really pisses me off, like uh, when it comes to. Um, Oh, you say abolish the police or defund the police. Who are you going to call when you need someone? Exactly. We need to put our trust in these people because if we call them, we don't know if we're really safe or not. Right. So how about instead of pulling that narrative, how about we abolish it and put people in place to where they will. We can trust them. And also maybe retrain society
2: to you don't always have to call the cops right right i mean it, honestly if these guys if, if, if it was neighbors calling because he's taking a nap you know i i would i you know where's the compassion that you're like hey this guy needs some help right you know that you would you would call and say hey look i'm i'm worried about this guy not like i'm afraid this guy is going to break in I, I don't know what the call was that brought them out there but you know you can only imagine. Um, but to have people say, hey, look, you know, um, this guy needs some help. Uh, he looks like he's having a hard time. Um, can we send somebody out here to help him, not kill him, you know?
0: Exactly. Like, in, even if you call 911 for a medical emergency, who knows? What if they send the uh, freaking uh, cops instead? Because that has happened yeah. in the past. They literally call for an ambulance and the police show up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it's a, it's another, it's another tragic, and 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 the worst, the worst tragedy about it is we're going to see the same thing tomorrow, and we're going to see the same thing the next day because you know we we are we are not getting the response at the legislative level uh, to deal with this, you know. So it it's good, you know. All right, so we're so we're going to ban chokeholds. That's fine, you know. But what are we really doing about armed response? What are we doing about all the money we're still dumping into armed police? Uh, rather than, you know, real crisis intervention, which is what people need.
0: I agree. Um, well, folks, that wraps up this week's episode of OK Now What. Um, please go ahead and check us out on Spot- Spotify, Saturdays, every week. Uh, please tune in next week as well. Our social media is down below. Check us out there and have a good weekend. Stay safe, y'all. Wear masks.